Are you looking for a podcast that your whole family can enjoy that asks the deep philosophical questions like, do trees fart? If you are, then you'll love Tumble, a science podcast for kids. I'm Lindsay. And I'm Marshall. Join us as we explore stories of science discovery, from butts to animals, dinosaurs, astronomy, and everything in between. You'll love these stories, and you'll learn something new. Find and follow Tumble Science Podcast for Kids wherever you get your podcasts, or at sciencepodcastforkids.com. Welcome to our show. My name is Asher, and I am your host along with my mom, Kristen. We have two very special birthday shout-outs this week to Pax Adams in Huntington Beach. Pax is turning five years old. And also, happy birthday to Lisa Moreno-Kohlberg from Long Island, New York. Hooray! Happy birthday, Pax. Happy birthday, Lisa. We hope you have a fun, fun birthday. Thank you for listening to Culture Kids Podcast. Today, we have a special guest, a dear friend of Mommy's, who is an educator in New York City. Her name is Alicia, and we are going to talk about embracing all our differences and finding fun ways to include all of our friends. Yay! It's a pleasure to have you on the show. Could you tell us about yourself? Hello, Kristen. Hello, Asher. My name is Alicia. My teacher name is Miss Lee, and I have been teaching second and third grade for 15 years. And now I'm helping teachers teach kids to read and write. What I really love to do is to think of creative ways to teach kids since all kids learn differently. I have so many great memories about going to school when I was growing up, but there were a lot of hard moments that I remember too. I immigrated from South Korea when I was in first grade and couldn't speak any English. It was a little scary in the beginning trying to make friends in a new country where I didn't know anyone. Oh yeah, you were born in Korea, and that's a whole different country. That speaks a different language. Yeah, exactly. But slowly over time, I found fun ways to make friends even without speaking English. It was hard at first, but I got used to the challenge. Huh? How can you make friends without speaking to them? I make friends saying hello first. Oh, I love that question. I think you could be friends with really anyone. I always say playing games using body language is fun, so things like playing tag, you would just tag them and say you're it and chase each other. I think sports is a really great thing to play even if you don't speak the same language. I think drawing is really fun to do together where you share a piece of paper and you both draw things. Those are all such great ideas. Oh, I draw things all the time. Sometimes I draw them for my friends. I draw little cute Pokemons and give it to them sometimes. Those are all such great ideas. Being at the playground when I couldn't speak English felt confusing and frustrating at times. But I learned how to express myself using facial gestures and using my hands. I started joining games of tag like Miss Lee just talked about and started drawing things for people I wanted to be friends with. 
Oh, I can do those things. Waving and smiling is the same in every language. Mommy has a special friend named Morgan, who I met when I was still trying to learn how to speak English. Morgan is American, so she spoke fluent English. We would sit together and draw for hours, and we even learned how to dance together. We would play hide and seek and play imaginary games like pretending we were building secret forts and make flower necklaces together. Even though our family spoke different languages, we learned that there were so many activities we could do, even though we are both so different and come from two different countries. I think it's also fun to teach other words in different languages.、Um, you can point at things and say it in your language, and then your friend could say it in their language, and you both get to learn. That's so true. How can we make someone who doesn't speak English feel welcomed in the classroom? So I think the first thing we can do when someone is new to our classroom is we can always make eye contact with them. We can smile. We can wave at them. We can say welcome. It would be really special if you learn to say welcome or hello in the other person's language. I think that would make them feel really special. And then after they know that you're being friendly and welcoming, then you can maybe tap them on the shoulder and point at something you want to play together. I think that's a great way to start a friendship. Oh, I can do those things. Waving and smiling is the same in every language. Yep, that's a safe assumption, Asher. A simple wave or a smile always goes a long way in any country around the world. Now, why do you think it's important that we learn about people's differences、hmm. or where they come from? I think it's so important because I think everyone has a different story about who they are and where they're from, and we would never want anyone to feel bad about who they are or to feel left out. And we don't want anyone to feel invisible. That's what I would always say to my students. If you're doing something, is there anyone that might feel invisible? And if they do, we have to help them be included. Invisible, like a ghost, like nobody knows they're there. When someone feels invisible, they feel like people don't see them. You're not actually invisible. It just might feel like people don't notice you, or they might not talk to you. They might not play with you at first. And when that happens, those people who feel invisible, they might just be sitting on the side doing nothing, even though they want to do something. And so it's everyone else's job to invite them and help them feel seen. Yeah, like no one's talking to you. It doesn't feel really good. But it feels good if a friend comes or asks to play together. Yay! I love that rule. Also, when we try our best to include our peers, learning about everyone's differences or where they come from and what their families are like can make a positive and enriching impact on our lives. For example, when we share our traditions, like the way we celebrate holidays or the different foods we eat at home, it opens our minds to be more creative, and it might inspire us to try new things. Wow! Yeah, like I love when our babysitter Mercy brings us desserts that her family. Eats. Mercy's family was from El Salvador. I didn't know I love food from there. It makes me want to try new things and maybe visit there someday. That's wonderful, and it's fun to share our Korean traditions with our friends because they might learn something that they didn't know about, and it might help them find new ways to do things.
also important to practice empathy. Empathy? Is that like understanding people better? Yeah, pretty much. I like to think of empathy as trying to walk in someone else's shoes, like imagine it. And then you can also try to imagine seeing things the way other people see it. And even the biggest one, I think, is try to feel what other people feel. Could you give us an example of having empathy for our friends? I think a good example is if you're playing on the playground and you see someone get pushed, you can ask yourself, how would I feel if I got pushed? Or how do I think they feel if they got pushed? Oh, no. And then that will help you feel what the other persons feel. Oh, yeah. I guess when I get mad at Arden sometimes, Mommy tells me to think about it, how she might feel. And then I imagine what it's like. So I might apologize. At our house, we always talk about how every person in the world is created differently, and there is no one person that is like the other. So sometimes understanding our differences can help us become better friends, better leaders, and community helpers. So there is an important word that tells us how people's brains can work in different and special ways. It's called neurodiversity. Asher, would you like to try saying the word neurodiversity? Neurodiversity? Neurodiversity is a way of understanding and appreciating the different ways people's brains work. So just like we have different hair colors, eye colors, and heights, our brains can also be different from one another. Uh So some kids' brains might think and process information differently, and that's okay. So something important to know about neurodiversity is that there is no good or bad. But that our brains just work differently. So my brain might be really fast at working with numbers and your brain might be really fast at remembering words and those are all just different. So sometimes in my classroom I have students who can tell beautiful stories by drawing pictures like graphic novels and it's still a really good story. And some students in my class they don't always like to draw pictures and they like to tell their stories just by writing a lot of words and that tells a really good story too. Both those ways are great ways of telling stories. And it's just because our brains work a little differently. Oh, I just like to tell stories using words. Or Arden likes to tell stories by performing and dancing. Yep, neurodiversity also shows us that we all have unique strengths, talents, and ways of thinking that we can use to make the world a better place. It's like having a big puzzle where each person's differences fit together to create something amazing. Another way that neurodiversity can look in the classroom is actually the way you play and interact with your friends. Hi. (laughs) So for some kids, going up to a kid and playing and socializing and saying, hey, do you want to play with me? It seems really natural and you learn how to do that on your own. For other kids in the classroom, it might be a little different. They might have a a different way of learning how to socialize and play with their friends. So for example, 
For some kids, they like to know step by step exactly what to do when they make a new friend. They'll learn from a parent or a teacher or a grown-up, like step one, you have to walk near your friend that you want to play with. Step two, you might have to turn your head and make eye contact. Step three, you might have to use friendly words and say, you know, hi, can I play? And some kids have to practice those three steps over and over to feel like they're comfortable um, making new friends. And for other people, that might be really natural. It's just because their brains work differently and need different things. So because our brains all work differently, if we see a friend in the classroom having big feelings while they're trying to learn something, what can we do? That's a great question. I think what we have to first remember is that everybody has big feelings sometimes and that's okay. So you can actually practice empathy and remember, think about how that person might feel and then think about how you can help them. So my suggestion would be to just listen to them and say things like, I understand you, or it's okay if it's hard, or can can I help you? Can we do it together? And if the person is okay with it, you can even say, let's try that again. Yes, I can say that. Uh And those are things I want someone to say to me when I'm feeling frustrated or having a hard time or something at school. And we can also help our friends see that they are also good at a lot of things. This is how you uplift others. In our house, mommy always reminds me to uplift people. I think part of it is you. we have to notice. So you can kind of be like a spy and just look around <laughs> at different parts of the classroom day and try to see what everyone is being good at. Ooh, a spy can be a spy. Oh. <laughs> So you might see a friend who's really good at following directions when they pack up their belongings at the end of the day. And that's really important. You might notice and spy that one friend is really good at drawing their ideas during, during writing time. You might see that some friends are really good at helping others when they feel hurt. Awesome. So there are a lot of things people can be good at all across the day. When you notice someone being good at something, you could just give them a little compliment. You can say, you know, I really like how you follow the directions or I really like how you drew those pictures with so much detail. Yeah, like I'm really good at math and my friend Arabella is really good at drawing and Avery's really good at running. These are my friends in my classroom and I was a spy and I noticed these things. Well, Miss Lee, this was so fun learning about our differences and how we can support our friends. Do you have anything else you'd like to share with our listeners? Oh, well, first of all, thank you for letting me join you today. It was so much fun. Grownups, if you ever need a picture book recommendation to learn about cultural differences or just picture books with beautiful pictures, you can follow me on Instagram at aakidlet. And grownups, if any of you are teachers, I also have another page you can follow that shares tips about how to teach reading and writing for elementary students. And that's at E-L-I-S-H-A dot L-I, Elisha dot Lee. Thanks for being on our show, Miss Louie. Bye-bye.
Well, we'd never end our episode without some jokes. Asher, do you want to go first today? Yes! Could I do two? Sure. Okay, here's the first one. Where do math teachers go on vacation? Where? To Times Square! (laughs) That's great! Mommy was actually just in New York City. So I really like that joke. Okay. Do you have another one? Yes, as I told you, I had two. Okay, go. What's a snake's favorite subject at school? What? History. Oh, those are great. Okay, mommy's turn. Ready? Yes. What kind of phones do turtles use? Hmm, let me think. What? A cellular phone. Cellular phone. Cellular shell because turtles have a shell. <laughs> like a regular phone, but a cellular phone? I get it. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us today on another episode of Culture Kids Podcast. Grownups, please do us a huge favor and go on Apple Podcasts and leave us a review and let us know what you want to learn about next. We want to hear from you. Until next time. Bye. For over six years, The Past and the Curious has been winning fans, sharing stories of real people from the past, and making people smile. I'm Mick Sullivan, author of I See Lincoln's Underpants, which is a book about, well, famous people's underwear. You'll find all of those stories and much, much more in the 100-plus episodes of The Past and the Curious that are currently available. Find it in all the usual podcast places. The Past and the Curious with Mick Sullivan. That's me.